If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Wire football podcast edition, Week 10 preview slash. We're talking to playoffs, even though it's super early, and it's all going to change, right, Matt? It's, it's definitely going to change, but that doesn't mean we're not still mad about what happened the um, other day. We were very mad online about those rankings. Uh, if you're new to the show, because you saw our... our rant by you and i chimed in a little bit and kept all caps themed going over at mwc wire on twitter our website is mwwire.com and from looks of it a lot of people have been either listening and or reading what we're doing so thank you for that but we're going to do our week 10 preview but first uh let's talk about your first state bulldogs they are ranked the only mm-hmm. West team ranked at 23 does that sound about right to you well i mean if if you out there read my article you would already know the answer is no and, you know, I mean, I guess there's a conversation to be had about, like, what exactly is the difference between UCF and everybody else in this group of five conversation? Because, you know, no matter what site you go to, whether it's, you know, Sagarin, whether it's, you know, Brian Primo's website for FEIBCFToys.com, whether you're looking at resume S&P Plus, whether you're looking at regular S&P Plus from Bill Connolly. Call it Matrix, Sagarin, call it, Macy. Yeah, or even just going to like Sports Reference because I know they calculate a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. The one thing that all of these teams have in common are questions about the strength of schedule. So why is UCF ranked 12th? Fresno State is ranked 23rd and Utah, Utah State isn't ranked at all. No, and I mean, we could we could Houston. throw Houston into this conversation, but whatever. We don't we don't really care about Houston. <laughs> not, well, not yet. Not until they play UCF, maybe. But it's the one thing is I would say that zero on the right side of the record, but that shouldn't be a eleven ranking difference. Maybe no, couple, it really should not. A few, I'd say, because you're winning and they're winning fairly impressively, and that counts for a lot, but. Most people felt they'd be about 16. Well, no, and that, and that's ironically enough. That was one of the things I got right in the article that I wrote projecting it is I thought they would get leapfrogged by a few teams. Of those three teams I mentioned, um, I'm trying to remember who <laughs> they were off the top of my head. Uh, I think it was uh, Washington State, probably Kentucky. It was yeah, Washington State and Kentucky. The one team I did not anticipate them leapfrogging was uh, Florida. And the, the the funny thing about the, the Gators is I keep seeing this promoted tweet from CBS Sports where it was from the, the game last weekend against Georgia, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And it's just this highlight of Florida's quarterback dropping back to pass and just throwing an interception like directly to a Georgia defender. 
Like there was just no receivers in sight. And every time I see that promoted tweet, all I could think of is the committee thought this is the 11th best team in the country. Why? They're not. They're not. They're good. We're not saying they're not good, right? They're not the 11th best team in the country. They're a top 25 team easily, right? Yes. I would... I don't know what they're looking at because typically it could be... I don't know. It could be they've from last year. Maybe there's some carryover, which would make, which does make sense in like the AP and coaches pool because hey, they return a lot of guys back. They have a good quarterback. They return, they have a new coach, which should downgrade a little bit. Which is we're not, we're not mentioning. Um, wasn't their head coach used to be Utah State for a hot second? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like oh, good for that. But there's no like the difference. You're, they're mentioning like like we've seen them play. They barely beat a bad. I know Utah State's best win is a what Air Force probably, which isn't very good. UCS best win is a four four Memphis team, right? Mm-hmm. And so they beat uh, who? They beat uh, North. I Carolina. think right now, right now they still haven't beaten a, t- a single team above five hundred at the moment. Yeah, and so if you're going to say strength of schedule, which is a big deal, that's the reason they're probably a couple spots down. I get the zero, but like. Their strength of schedule is on par with what is it one twenty one I believe somewhere in that range from like resume S and P plus. Well, by S by S and P plus, uh, their schedule rank is one twenty one. By FEI, uh, their schedule rank is dead last. So one thirty. One thirty. And Utah State's basically a lot. Which Utah State's schedule isn't much better. It's war. It's basically identical. Maybe some places. I think they're like one twenty eight. I believe somewhere around that range, one twenty ish. So it's yeah. not great. But and then what? What is Fresno State's schedule? They're probably still triple digits, right? Well, that depends on what you look at. Um, by S and P Plus, it's one twenty. Mm-hmm. By FEI, they are at uh, what are they at? One twenty three. It's a little great. different. It's a little different depending on where you look. I think the biggest edge is through Sagarin, where they're the only team in this conversation outside of triple digits. It's like I don't. See, here's here's what it is for me. Right. Like we all know UCF is good. Maybe they're like a slight notch below where they were last year, even though I think they're more properly rated compared to where they started in the top 25 last year. But I don't think there's any question that you know, if we're if we're talking about this analogy of making lemonade out of lemons. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's in the same boat. I don't think there's any question that both Fresno State and Utah State have made more lemonade out of the same amount of lemons. Yeah. Like, like, like people like we we'll talk about Iowa State in a second here because that's the game we want to look at. They're like, well, there's three teams with we'll kind of mix it all in, but three teams with three losses: Iowa State, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. It's like I get like guys are going back and forth on Twitter with us when we talk about strength of schedule. I'm like, strength of schedule doesn't equal how many wins, Matt? Do you get from having a better strength of schedule? Uh, apparently, if you're Iowa State, the answer is four. But it doesn't give you a win, though. That's my point. You know, like, mm-hmm. I get they have four wins. But it doesn't matter where you're doing the schedule. You still have to win, and they're not winning. Like, that's great. You've also lost three times. You've lost to TCU, who's terrible now. They they did play – okay, they did play Oklahoma close, which is fine, 10 points. Lost to Iowa by 10. But they beat West Virginia. Those are good wins. They're not a bad team, but to give you three losses and being a top 25 team, that's no. That should not be the case at all. But yeah, I mean, I mean, they got in Texas A&M, for instance, like they had a close loss against Clemson, which, you know, fine. Clemson's a really good team, Mm -hmm. but they got dismantled by Alabama and they got dismantled by Mississippi State. Like 
how are you going to rank a three loss team that loses to another three loss team? Like you could, you could rank one, maybe not both, right? Like, is is beating Kentucky really worth that much? Because apparently, that, so. I mean, that that might be their best win, but it can't be that good. Well, they're a top ten team at the moment. I mean, I still think Kentucky's a mirage. Let's put it that way. They, uh, yeah, they play Georgia this weekend. They'll probably get. There's a reason they're like a touchdown underdog. Kentucky. Here's the thing: why they'll be a mirage, but still be ranked high. I was looking at their schedule, just kind of poking around. They have they have um, Georgia this week. They play at Tennessee. Who's not what's Tennessee? Not very good. Are they? Are they this year? They're what three, losing no. record? Okay, I was double checking. I don't want to say anything incorrect. Then they play a Middle Tennessee State team who does have Brent Stockstill quarterback, but it's MTSU. And they go to Louisville, who is whatever. They're two win team at the moment, so they could seriously finish. Like they could be a team that's best season probably ever. They did beat Mississippi State, but they squeaked by Vanderbilt, squeaked by Missouri. They're winning like on the skin of their teeth for most of these games. Mm-hmm. And they could seriously be ten and two, and probably go to like the Peach Bowl just because they're an SEC and have ten wins. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, but, it's just like you look at most of the teams, and it's like it's either really good to be, you know, a second tier SEC team, or it's really good to be a second tier ACC team, which might be a little more frustrating. NC State, yeah, come on, they're NC garbage. NC State has lost two games in a row, and they weren't even competitive in either one of them. And somehow, somehow, they're still ranked two spots ahead of Fresno State. I don't get that at all. Like, I think Boston College is probably fine. I I predicted them to be in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could probably see a case for Virginia. You know, I although to me, when I go back and look at the, uh, the original article that I wrote before last weekend, mm-hmm. to me, it seems like Virginia is primed to just get bumped. And, you know, oh, it is a we'll look back. We'll it look is- back. It is a Brock Mendenhall coach team who does have slumps occasionally. Well, 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 I have a feeling we're going to look back in two or three weeks and wonder why they were ever ranked at all because they could easily lose both at Georgia Tech and at Virginia Tech at the end of the month. But, here's, yeah, but they'll be ranked next week. They got Pitt. They got Liberty. They will move up and probably be above Fresno State in next week and in two weeks. Yeah, and and Syracuse has actually been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. I've had a chance to watch them a couple of times, just you know, flipping back and forth between channels. So, you know, I'm a believer that they can challenge. I forget exactly which division they're in. Um, But, you know, they gave Clemson a challenge, too. And I think that's Mm -hmm. worth something. But but they also lost to Pitt and Pitt's garbage. They also lost to Pitt. Yeah. And they're and they could just as easily drop out in the next couple of weeks, too. There's so there's a lot of teams. Look at the AP last week. Didn't 10 teams lose, essentially? Yes. And so there's a lot of turmoil that's going to happen. I just like. Iowa State just boggles my mind because they beat whatever. They there are three losses. Like if you're a three loss team, should you even be ranked at all? If you have four wins, I don't care who they're against, should yeah. you be ranked at all? I'm pretty sure that's the first time that's ever happened. At this point in the year? At, at, within the first rankings, I'm pretty sure this is the first time a team with just four wins has made because I mean, yeah, okay, beating Oklahoma State, beat West Virginia, beat Texas Tech, beat Akron. Like, does does that is that a top 25 team really uh, i don't know the one reason they have four wins part of it their game was canceled south dakota state which mm-hmm. they promptly rescheduled with incarnate word end of the year okay great whatever <laughs> i'm just saying and it's also you know it's also hilarious about that um december 1st um isn't that championship weekend uh, it is either championship weekend it's you or is that army navy weekend i forget off no, the top no, no. Of my head. it is um championship weekend what if somehow Iowa State gets a big 12 title game 
they're not going to get to the. I, I'm just game. saying. No, here. That's my theory, point, though. They schedule a game knowing they had. They figured they had no chance to be in the title game. They schedule a game that weekend. <laughs> you get my I hadn't answer. really thought about that. Yeah, that was my point. I'm not saying they'll be there. They do have uh, only one lot, or they have two losses, so it's they're not going to get there. And I don't know when that game was scheduled, but regardless, that game was scheduled with the thought in mind: we're not good enough to win the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. So, but as for I don't know, you see, whatever. This is we we can talk in circles. We have a couple of games we want to get to. So, what are those games you want to people should kind of peer an eye on to say, hey, what's going on? You mentioned Iowa State. Who yeah, well, let's let's go in uh, let's go in chronological order. I was going to write an article about this, but I'm running out of time this morning. So, um, depending on close. when this podcast comes out tonight or Thursday. this afternoon, as it is Thursday, four thirty Pacific, five thirty Mountain Time, number twelve UCF hosting Temple for the inside track to the uh, to the American East bid for the championship. And then since we're talking about Iowa State, I would say, you know, there's a few games to keep an eye on uh, first thing Saturday morning, but 9 a.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Mountain Time, Iowa State on the road at Kansas, which I think is hilarious because now Mountain West fans have an excuse to watch Kansas football. Hey, Kansas was was very close to be in the Mountain West a couple years ago. Uh, And then in the afternoon shift, uh, 1230 Pacific, 130 Mountain, uh, number 16, Iowa at Purdue. Purdue's a didn't home you, favorite. I was say, didn't you say the Hawkeyes were a road dog? They are a road dog. A field goal road dog. Purdue also fresh off. Isn't last week they crushed Ohio State? Uh, that was two weeks uh, ago. Two weeks ago. But they beat oh, – yeah. dang it. Okay. But they, they beat Ohio State pretty handily. So, And then, you know, there's a couple of games maybe to keep an eye on in the middle of the afternoon. You know, number 15, Utah at Arizona State might no. be an interesting one. You don't Stop think so? Stop it. Stop it. Do not bring – well, no, you are correct in saying that because two reasons. Utah struggled against one Arizona school or another, and they already smoked Arizona. So this could be a prime spot for them to stumble. And Utah's always been crappy in November the past couple of years. So I will let that, so that is you're, uh, you're not incorrect on that. <laughs> so that's uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Mountain. And then uh, I guess in the late shift – well, there's a bunch of top 10 teams in the later in the day. Like, you know, Louisiana Tech goes to Mississippi State, number 18, at 430. It's a crime. Bulldogs are a 24-point favorite. Mississippi State is. Really? Yeah. What, have they seen them play offense in the last month? Dude, they're in the SEC. That's all I got to know. And then uh, if you're looking for some counter-programming in the nightcaps, uh, Cal, fresh off a win over Washington last week, at number 8, Washington State. There's a bunch of. I'll give one more real quick. I think a potential could have could help out. Um, I, I I see Florida State, but I don't trust it. But West Virginia, Texas could be something that could help out um, if Texas loses. So mm-hmm. we'll see. There's a handful of games, but we'll. What I hopefully I might try to this tonight, Thursday or Friday. I know our buddy Raj put on Twitter. Kind of I did it years past. Kind of ranking where a team would be if they hey it's a undefeated. UCF for a one-loss UCF. Where do these come in in the group of five ranking as for pecking order for a bowl game? Mm-hmm. So I may get that up. But one thing, oh well, we'll we'll talk about Boise State later because they actually have a chance to move up but won't get there. But I may do something like that because those are kind of fun to speculate. Because honestly, at this point, it's UCF to lose. Fresno's number two at this moment. But like, even though Buffalo's playing great, they're not going to be in there unless there's a couple losses. Um, 
we'll just see how it goes out. There's a lot to go go on that could happen, but it'll be kind of in order of who plays who win and who has zero lot one to two losses. But that's always funny. You can always yell at me with that because people like to complain, right? Always. Should we get to our actual games this week now? Let's do it. Saturday. All Saturday games, which is nice this year. There's not too many Friday night or Thursday night games. We will start with uh, the Commander-in-Chief trophies up for grabs, Matt. Yes, it is. 9 a.m. Pacific, noon on the East Coast, CBS Sports Network, Air Force at Army. Army is a good old, now almost a touchdown favorite. It looks like it's shuffled around a bit. But if Air Force wins, they get they, they, they get back the uh, one of the better trophies in college football. So... This is a really interesting matchup because there are some very striking similarities between these two teams and also some very significant differences. Like the one big thing that stood out to me when I was uh, writing the keys to win for this matchup, which you should be able to find on our website now. Army's been pretty good on the back end as far as creating disruptive plays. I think they're in the top 20 nationally as far as you know their linebackers and their defensive backs are concerned. Um, but do you happen to know where they rank as, uh, along the defensive line in Havoc rate? I have no clue. Dead last. Oh, boy. <laughs> and that's really interesting to me because you know they don't have a Jordan Jackson type like the Falcons do. So I'm very interested to see just how much work Cole Fagan gets in this game. One of the things I noticed was that in the past few weeks that he, along with Isaiah Sanders has gotten a lot of work, but he's actually made a lot of those opportunities count. You know, he's averaging about six yards per carry over the last three games. And he has a success rate over 50%. You know, he has an opportunity rate. That's pretty solid. Um, I think it's like 40, 45% or something like that. But you know, he's done a lot to basically raise their season average in those metrics over the last few weeks. So, you know, even though the linebackers should be capable of cleaning up a lot of messes, you know, this is not an offense that really needs to hit the big play, I don't think, in order to make some things happen on offense. I think what they're going to need is a lot of four, five, six-yard carries you know, and Fagan could be the guy to get them that between the tackles. So we've seen Army played before. They played uh, Hawaii weeks and weeks ago, right? It was a week back in September. Yeah, I see. Geez, that's a long time ago. So with what they do, like you mentioned, like Havoc Ray and all that stuff. Like for, I guess. Well, I guess let me let me take a step back. We were sticking with the, what Cole Fagan could do. I was double checking the depth chart because they're, as I mentioned, put in whoever you want at Air Force quarterback. I'm assuming your depth chart's correct because it looks like it's going to be Sanders again. I haven't seen any update if it's him and it's going to be healthy or not. And when I try to go look at the Colorado Gazette, um, they kind of hide stuff and don't mm-hmm. read it all. Um, it looks like something from just yesterday. Hammond III looks ready to play. But, oh, I can read it all. Awesome. Maybe I'll look at that later. But it looks like um, he's ready to play, but who's going to start? It, the official mm-hmm. depth chart mentioned Sanders, and last week he looked amazing. He could throw the ball pretty well. He runs the ball. He keeps the ball a lot. Fagan, I again, I'll I'll say it, it seems like it doesn't matter who's going to start. They should be fine. But Hammond, he looks like he did, was throwing Monday and Tuesday without any sort of limp. And I don't know. Depth chart mentioned mentioned yeah, excuse me mentioned Sanders. So all Troy Calhoun is like, we'll see. So yeah, it's really it's really interesting because now he's above sixty percent throwing the football. 
So I, I don't know. He's had in this couple games, he's had um, 270 yards and threw for 427. And Sanders took first team reps the first couple of days this week. So, and Worthman's working as a, uh, was working as a third team. Hammond took some backup work. So I'm guessing it's going to be Sanders. But um, again, does it really matter to you, Matt, who starts? Sanders has been on fire. Why not stick with him? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely see that argument. We'll see. I, again, I think it doesn't matter who starts. It's gonna the results not gonna vary too much. Whoever's in there, I just don't want to see. Oh, Sanders, you had one bad series or two bad plays. Let's put in Hammond. If that happens, Army's probably going to win. If if Troy Cahoon outthinks himself and switches quarterbacks multiple times throughout the game. No, I mean I think what's ultimately going to make the difference. I I really don't see a quarterback switch. I think what's ultimately going to swing this game one way or the other is. You know, how much push they get up front, the Air Force offensive line. Because while the Army defensive line isn't, you know, as, as they aren't quite as disruptive as the guys behind them, they still got really good linebackers. And so, you know, I'm looking at the pairing of James Noctegall and Cole Christian, who between them, they have six sacks, 12 tackles for loss. Those are two guys that could easily disrupt whatever kind of early down game plan the Falcons have in mind. So if they can keep those two at bay, that is going to do them a huge favor. True. Uh, does Air Force need a third running back, you think? Because Sanders seems to be carrying the ball a lot. We see what Fagan could do. I, I remember I mentioned last week part of it was that Boise was uh, letting them, like they were taking away the pitch guys, and so mm-hmm. they, they went to a lot of the fullback dive. And that's key. I'm wondering if they need like a uh, Caden Remsburg to do something a bit more for this team to at least uh, maybe not have 40 carries combined between Sanders and Fagan, maybe mm-hmm. make that 30 and give somebody else a handful of carries. I'm wondering, cause that, that does change the game quite a bit. Are they going to have the pitch? Like depending where those linebackers sit up on the field, not that they're going to focus like, okay, we have to move our go left or do the plays to counter what they're doing. Maybe a little bit because how good they are getting to the backfield. I think the Air Force really needs another option because mentioned we they don't have Cleveland. He's out. What who's mm-hmm. gonna, who's going to step up and do what he did? And so that's always going to be an interesting move to who's going to take those jet sweeps or those those quick passes that they like to throw or get even just the uh, running like you know they do they do the uh, the guy in motion and do the quick handoff to the receiver that way. So I think you want to be have more options than just two and a half. You know what I mean? Like the fullback dive, quarterback keep, and pitch maybe like twenty percent of the time. That's if they could, if they're allowed to do more of those things on offense, that's how they're going to move the ball better. Because more options means defense can't focus in on one or two things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what they have to do. But Army's been pretty good. So they there's a reason they're six and two. Oh yeah, they're beating like they we've seen them also crush San Jose State earlier in the year. They beat a pretty good Eastern Michigan team. I'm not sure what Miami Ohio is there. They're uh, Not, they're yeah. forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I just, just double check. I want to make sure you never know. They beat Buffalo too, so they have a couple good wins. And remember, almost beat Oklahoma, so they have some good wins and played well this year. I, I guess the time for prediction time here. I'd probably an Army because they've been playing better overall. Even though Air Force has been playing pretty good the past couple weeks, but they're not winning as much. Can I mention one more thing that I think is going to make a difference? Yes, always. Third down defense. Who's better? 
Well, I think that's or an interesting. Better. That's going to be an interesting question because <laughs> who's, who's not as bad? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> because when you look at the success rates on the Bill Connolly stat profiles, the one thing you still notice, as far as Air Force is concerned, is that they're a lot better defending against third and short than they are third and medium. You know, they're they they go from like a top ten team to a middle of the pack team, and then they go to a below average team and third and long. Coincidentally enough. But Arby doesn't have that problem on offense. Like no matter what you're looking at, like on the year, they're second in the country as far as average third down distance at just six yards per. And then and they're third overall in third down success rate. So it doesn't really matter what kind of situation Army's been in. They've been really good about keeping the chains moving. So I think if Air Force wants to have a chance in this game, they're gonna have to find a way to disrupt that. All right. So what's your prediction then? I think it's going to be close. Um, I think I would probably take Army in a nail biter because I think both of these teams are going to be able to chew up the clock. I think both of these teams are ultimately ultimately going to be able to move the ball quite a bit. So I would take Arm. I would take Air Force in the points, but I would take Army to win. I'm going to say twenty eight to twenty four. I think I'm going to say Mary. I'm pulling up. Um, what's I'm pulling up my picks already dropped into our spreadsheet. Um, what's his F S N P plus say? What's their win total or the uh, score projection? Uh, they have the projection at Army thirty four, Air Force twenty seven. Is it end the lines what six and a half at the moment? Uh, well, I believe it's seven. Oh, seven. Sorry. I'm... So if we want to get into the decimals real quick, it's Army thirty three point six. Dive deep. Air Force twenty seven point two. This is interesting. So I pull up number five in team ranking. So it is a yeah. It's, it was six and a half for a minute. It's now seven. So team rankings. They both have these both projections have Army winning twenty five two to seventeen four about touchdown. Number five. I don't know what they're doing because the over under is forty two and a half. They predict Army to score forty two points on their own, and Air Force score thirty two as well. They're they're predicting a a shootout there. Interesting. I. No, last year's Navy Air Force shootout. I I did the same thing. I I'm kind of in your same area where I'm going to pick uh, Army to win. So who gets the Commander in Chief if Army wins? Because uh, nobody. Goes, that would depend. That would depend on I guess what happens yeah, with true. yeah Army, Army Navy game. If it splits, it goes back to uh, who had it last year, right? Well, actually, I guess in that case, you know, if it if Army already has possession of the trophy, they keep it. Then I think if they win this game, then they keep it because there's no way Navy would be able to win it. I sure. don't think. Yeah, because if you split last year, winner gets it. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I'm picking Army to win, Air Force to cover. I, I don't know if there's the point thing's interesting because after seeing that, but I think it'll be like 28, 28, 24. Did you say that? That's lame. I, can't I say did that. say that. I can't say. Yeah, you can that. say that. I'm not going to judge you. Nobody out there is going to judge you. They might. They say, oh, N- nobody's going to judge you. I'll go 28, 24. <laughs> All right. Great All right. minds think alike, right? Exactly. I think that, yeah, that's how it works. What's next? Um, let's go to, is it San Jose State? And Wyoming. Um, how is Wyoming like a two-touchdown favorite? That's a really good question. It is. I mean, maybe maybe it's because they just won a game by double digits against Colorado State. Yeah, but he beat Colorado State. Well, that's, I mean, we're talking about San Jose State here. Sure. Hey. According to one person, they should be four and on conference play. That's true. Just saying. Uh, I, I did I did note that. <laughs> good. Uh, here's the thing. 
Standard well, we should probably mention the details first. Oh, I guess we should. It's a yeah. – um, actually, we tabs open. Was it 2 p.m.? It's a 12, 12 p.m. Mountain, 1, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific on AT&T Sportsnet. And so check your uh, streaming options somewhere, right? That, that means I'm out of luck. <laughs> I get oh, – dang, you are? Really? Yeah, I can't get AT&T Sportsnet. Dang it. Okay, well, follow something, Twitter or whatever. You'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get this game taken care of. So, oh, yeah. San Jose State hasn't been played much better. Like, I argued Josh Love should have been player of the week last week. He was not. Went to Jordan Love. I guess when he had 400 yards and a half, that's kind of a bump for you, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, it's – they're going with Sean Chambers again at quarterback. He looks really good. And so, what he's been able to do, he's been able to run the ball well in addition to pass it, which opens up a lot more because you have Nico Evans who runs the ball well, who's probably the best back of the conference. I like what they're doing. They're finally found their guy because there's no reason to go back to Tyler Vanderwall because he got to start early in the year because experience and all that good, all that jazz. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking with how it's turned out, like San Jose State, while they've been playing better, well, I mean, offense, um, how should I put this? They've been playing a little – is a little bit better okay to say for them? Just a little bit? I mean, I think so. I mean, I think it's still a lot of Nico Evans and, and staff. <laughs> and staff. They have yeah. scored three straight games. Of, they've been averaging almost, uh, what, 28 points the past three weeks, which is mm-hmm. a more stra- striking improvement going back to that Walford 17-point victory, which was a debacle. Mm-hmm. I think they'll have. I think they're going to keep it rolling and going up against the San Jose State defense, which we've seen giving up a lot of points throughout the year from time to time. Like, I get Hawaii game notwithstanding because Hawaii typically scores points to anybody for the most mm-hmm. part. But, like, just look at the point total. They've San Jose State doesn't score. Or San Diego State they don't score a lot, so that was fine to give fifty two to the Army. They give a lot of points. So I'm thinking Army well, might get to thirty points this game. Might. See, I think there's a couple of different ways this game could play out. And one thing I'm really interested in is what is Wyoming going to do if San Jose state can contain Nico Evans, because let's not forget, you know, they've been up and down on both sides of the ball this year. But one thing you can point to in the last couple of weeks is that they have done a pretty good job of containing some pretty good runners. You know, Lexington Thomas only had 61 yards on 19 carries last week. And, you know chase jasmine the week before he and chance bell were only averaging about four and a half yards per carry which is fine Mm -hmm. but maybe not what you would expect out of a san diego state running game so you know if they're able to put a lot of pressure on evans and get into the backfield and stuff like that you know sean chambers only had to throw the ball 10 times last week what's going to happen if they ask him to go down the field again because i think we've seen it both ways with with san jose state like we saw them contain ryan agnew for the most part a couple weeks ago come on it's ryan agnew give me a break well and that's what i'm saying it, <laughs> and we'll talk about more we'll talk more about the aztecs in a minute but i mean we haven't really seen chambers have to try and air it out and we saw a little bit of both last week against the against the rebels because while jillian did have 387 yards he did also throw three interceptions as well you know, we've seen the San Jose State team be able to create turnovers here and there. We've seen them be pretty good against the run, all things considered. But I think what's ultimately going to make or break this game is if Wyoming has to step into you know more passing situations, how are the Spartans going to respond? Because they've been very up and down in that regard. Well, they have 12 interceptions. 
yeah second in the conference most passes mm-hmm. they're like them and fresno state are challenging for like the best secondary pass yeah. breakups pass defended their number they're right behind fresno state in each category and they're number two so mm-hmm. they're knocking balls down they're getting they're fighting for interceptions they're getting in the way of receivers their their secondary is good and you could, good point chambers or yeah chambers only 15 career throws Second half was against Utah State's so only three of five, but he's efficient to two touchdowns last week on seven mm-hmm. of ten. But you're true. That's what I want to see because he's a hundred yards per game on the ground, and so this will be a big test because he said, like you said, the Spartans' rush defense has been pretty good the past couple weeks, or at least uh, above average, playing against some really good rushers in this league, which is which is really good to see. Army game does it, it's hard to account a triple option team when. Encounter, encountering for how well they're on rush, on rush defense. Well, and, and in that game, they had they lost the turnover battle badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that too. So that was, what were they, minus five, I think, in that game? Yeah. So looking what San Jose State can do defensively, they're going to, I think the best game plan is to, with their secondary being that good, bring a couple more guys up to, they're going to run. Like, it doesn't matter. Nico Evans is running against nine men front and done well and get yards. They're mm-hmm. going to need to put them in second and eight plus, three and six plus to see what Chambers can do because we don't know how, what he can do throwing the ball. We've seen just a few snippets in here with the limited time he's been throwing. And if he's forced to throw the ball, I'm betting San Jose State can make some moves and like I just described kind of what they do in the secondary. So that's probably their key to win. Like try to – because they're not going to score very many points because Wyoming defense is really good, even – they're missing one guy on the team for a while, but I, I'm just thinking that's what the game plan should be. Stack the box, run, and make them beat you in the pass. If that works, they have a decent chance to win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think they're also going to have to watch out for the fact that Chambers poses a running threat as well. Like mm-hmm. we saw that definitely last week against the Rams when he ran for over 100 yards. So I, you know, I think pretty much everybody on the front seven is going to need to be on their toes. I think the linebackers like Ethan Aguayo, Jesse Osuna, and Jamal Scott, mm-hmm. you know, even if they aren't getting into the backfield to create plays, I think the onus is going to be on them to just, you know, stay disciplined and just make tackles in the open field. If they run, you know, for instance, zone read with chambers or, you know, if they have designed bootleg runs or something like that, I think how well, the Spartan linebackers play is going to have a big impact on how this game unfolds. So I also think too, yeah, that's a good point too. I, I want to see what the San Jose state offense can do mm-hmm. because defense is a uh, while well, I mean, specialty. Like we mentioned, they did put up 50 versus uh, sorry, the rebels that's brain fart for a second last week. They're not obviously clear the map. They're not going to get 50 points. <laughs> this game, that's not going to happen at all. I just wonder what um, Love can do, what Evans can do, what these guys can do on the offense. They're going to need to, if they're going to win, the offense has to be above average. And, like, I think if they get to 20 points, they can win this game. Yeah, and I think it's that Wyoming's defense has started to look more like itself in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they played Utah State very close Mm -hmm. and then basically just buried the Rams early last week. So, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough, yeah. And so I think for me, what I what I want to look for is, you know, even if Josh Love isn't going to go out and, and air it out quite the same way that he did last week, how much of his gains is he going to be able to hold on to against a Wyoming secondary that has 
you know, even if they've looked good in the past couple of weeks, they've still looked shaky off and on throughout the year. So if he can be, I don't know, 80% of what he was last week, you know, if he can get the ball to Josh Oliver and Trey Hartley and Ty Cottrell down the field, they're going to give themselves a puncher's chance. Because I think Wyoming is going to be able to stop the running game. I think Nevins is likely to have a pretty quiet game overall. And it's going to be in the quarterback's hands to respond and try to keep the Spartans in the game. All right, so prediction time here. Because it will be, yeah, I think you're spot on for that analysis there. So over at Team Rankings, number four, because we like to get some extra insight here. It's a 13 and a half point line, which seems a tad high. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of in that same ballpark. 25-12, team rankings 30 to 16 for number fire. Can Wyoming score 30 points? Well, they did last week. Okay, can they do it two weeks in a row then? <laughs> That's an open question. I am picking Wyoming to win, but I'm going to be like, it's going to be like 21-13, I think. So S&P Plus has this at uh, Wyoming 32, Ooh. San Jose State 18. That's a lot of points there. It's another very close game Hold against on. the spread. Hold on. Over under 39 and a half. <laughs> really? 39 and a half, yes. Wow, okay. Sorry, I, had to, I saw that I had to chuckle. That's funny. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? You change your pick? <laughs> no, no. No, that was just S&P Plus. Oh, yeah. I'm calling for a stupid upset. What? San Jose State, Woo. 24. Wyoming, 21. You're going to get some... Spartans fans, Matt, that's good. So, I think I think they've got enough on defense to, to figure out Wyoming. So 24-21? I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think they'll be able to pull it off. Will they need special teams help to get to 24 points? I think they're going to need turnovers help okay, to get short, to 24 points. Okay. Yeah. All right, that's uh, – there you go. Let's uh, move on to the next game. So that, whew, that's a – Interesting pick there, Matt. That's fine. All right. Uh, well, interest, I got to be interesting sometime. Yeah, we can't pick the same score for every game, right? <laughs> Theoretically, no. All right, next one. We have the Here's the thing for your Saturday, how to plan it out. Um, you have two the two early games, so I guess uh, breakfast or brunch, depending where you're at in the country. Then you can take a nap, or you can tune into those other games we mentioned, the midday games, Kansas-Iowa State, if you want to keep one eye open, or go hang out with your family, do some fun stuff for a couple hours, make people happy because, say, folks, significant other mom dad kid cousin i got night games to watch multiple night games to watch four games in the evening hours so where should we start i guess technically um let's go boise state byu let's do it espn 2 8 15 mountain time 7 15 there for those out in the uh pacific time zone boise state has never lost to byu at home however they've had a bunch of close games and ugly games 13 and a half point home favorite. And we've seen BYU. What is this? The third time, fourth time we're talking about the Cougs. So what has changed with BYU since the last time we talked about them? Because the last time was uh, ahead of the Hawaii game back on the 13th of October. They crushed my soul for beating Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's what's happened. They have a new quarterback, Zach Wilson, who we saw versus Hawaii, which Mm -hmm. in my opinion, he, the team was kind of memorized, not mesmerized, but like uh, adrenaline shot to play well. Again, mm-hmm. Hawaii's defense isn't great, so they played well. They had a bye week. Then they lost at home to Northern Illinois, Matt. Seven to six. I heard about that. They, uh, yeah, I I listened for a little bit because I got to kind of pay attention to BYU for my uh, day job. 
I'm like, oh, I'm going to tune the radio. I'll watch the game later. Good thing I didn't watch the game. I liked it not to when I saw the score. Because I was in the car. Oh, final possession. Six, six, seven, six. Dig at the ball. First play, interception, Zach Wilson. NIU wins. Oof. So, they, and like, they were at like NIU's 46-yard line with like 90 seconds left. So, they were in pretty good position after making a good defensive stop. Defense is good, as always. And offense is just bad. They don't have a running game. They don't have offense. One of their defensive backs, Michael Shelton, the other day basically said he likes to play on the road because he doesn't like the home crowd that doesn't get behind them. Dang. Because not that – well, he didn't say that – well, he kind of said it like that. But basically, the crowd's not into the game. And so he's like he gets more ramped on the road because their crowd's cheering, they're booing when they play well, which it does make sense on some levels. You play a road game, you may get more hype because they're all against you. The stadium can get pretty crazy. But when they're at home, and but then again, don't score six points against mm-hmm. a NIU team who's not what they usually are. They're they're probably going to go to bowl game, but that's about it. But the offense, it's the same excuses. Like, like I said, my other job, I have to follow BYU a little bit closer for what we do because our station airs the Cougars games. So like coaches show us, like, oh, what's Kalani Satake saying? He's saying the exact same stuff as last year. We need to air the ball up more. We need to throw up more. We're we're kind of a young team. It's like. These are the exact same excuses last year when they got rid of Ty Detmer to bring in Jeff Grimes to be their OC. Offensive line isn't very good, but the big change is the new quarterback, Wilson's had a couple weeks as the number one guy, but they played a bad Hawaii defense so they could score points. So play, go up against a Boise defense that's better than NIU. Like I joked in like some DMs to our Boise guys, I'm like, this could be like a 27-3 to game if we're lucky for BYU in favor of obviously Broncos. So I almost wonder, I mean, the only thing I wonder about is, you know, is, is Boise going to be able to bounce back from having to survive last week against Air Force? Because we saw them two weeks ago basically come out and blow the doors up Colorado State. That seems to be a running theme on this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I mean, they got pushed to the limit for the better part of three quarters against Air Force last week. So... You know, I think it'll help that BYU, as you mentioned, doesn't really have a running game to speak of. Like Squally Canada only had 32 yards on 10 carries last week. But I'm I'm mostly interested in this matchup because Boise's kind of walking wounded a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they have Emmanuel Facili listed as the starter at nose guard now in favor of uh, Sonatani Louis. You know, David Moe is out for the year. He's been out for a couple weeks now. You know, Avery Williams apparently hasn't been quite the same and more Boise State fans are starting to notice. Um, you know, Ezekiel Noah is getting a little more play at the linebacker position. So, I mean, there's some transition going on on the defensive side of the ball that maybe a lot of people, myself included, didn't expect. So, you know, even with BYU's limitations on offense, are they going to be able to move the ball at least a little bit in the same way that Air Force was able to last week? Well... Air Force runs their equipment like we saw. They run option attack, so keep yeah. the draw. Zach Wilson can run a little bit, like we saw versus Hawaii. He has some wheels. He can scramble more than when we saw Tanner Mangum play. Did he play against the team, Mountain West team this year? I don't think so. Um, uh, I don't think so. No, no, no. Oh, wait, Utah State. Yeah, Utah State. Yeah, Utah State. So he, yeah, he, because I remember the pick six again. The play, the game started like last year's <laughs> or kind of continuation. He can move the ball a little bit. Like, they have a guy, uh, he's changed his name like three times. His last name is Katoa. I think he's Pelini Katoa now, I believe, that he goes by. Mm-hmm. He can run fairly well. 
So they have a couple options, but part of this, part of the thing, the offensive line is not very good either, which is typically a strength for BYU for going back decades. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And so they have a couple guys, like they had Matt Hadley, who been switching from running back to linebacker. He's kind of stepped up the past two games, um, had about 100, 120 yards, a couple touchdowns, a couple catches, or one touchdown, a couple catches. That's what's – if they're going to do anything because they got Tyler Horton secondary for Boise State and going up against, who knows, Leva Hifo, who's we've seen him do a few things this year. But the receivers for BYU – or I'm kind of bounced around, but short uh, – I'll just continue here. Running the ball, that's their best chance because they don't have very good receivers. They have a bunch of okay guys like Matt Bushman tight end – really good, but how many times he you get the ball? He has only 15 catches in, we're halfway through the year. Like, mm-hmm. just basically cover Alava Hifo and maybe Tom Shunway could do something? I don't know. They have, they have they're just okay, but they have like all these tight ends. And Shunway and Hifo, the guys receivers want to focus on, but they're not doing anything spectacular. And so yeah. Boise's defense can match up well where focus, probably focus on the run because that's the one strength the BYU has and let Tyler Horton, whoever's in secondary, do their thing against the receiving group that's just not even average. Yeah, I mean, I think I could see Boise State's defensive front and especially, you know, Curtis Weaver and, and Jabril Frazier who we haven't really talked a lot about this year. But, I mean, I could see the two of them coming out and eating BYU's offensive line alive. I mean, especially the left side of that line that protects Wilson's blind side. Two redshirt freshmen. I did not realize that. Yeah, that could be something to look out for, right? Yeah, but I could also see a situation where that takes a little while to show up, too, because of the fact that B- uh, that Boise's adapting a little bit to so many injuries across the defense. But, I mean, ultimately, I do kind of see that coming around one way or the other. So what do you think, like, for Boise's offense, then? I mean, it's got to be the Brett Rippon show again, doesn't it? Because he's been doing pretty well the past couple weeks. Well, I guess last week. And the week before, well, two weeks ago, he sort of was bad Brett Rippon, but they still got it done. I I don't want to say he's going to go off and have a huge game because he has, oh, sorry, I meant three games ago versus Nevada. He has nine touchdowns and no picks in two games. Mm-hmm. This is his, um, outside of Troy, Connecticut, this is the best two-game stretch of the year. And he's looking to, not that he'll, I don't, well, I don't want to get into that, but Playing against this BYU defense, it's going to be tougher. But also, you mentioned last week, didn't Madison have a big game for the first time finally all year? He did. And so they will. He may not be that good. But like, I just realized I didn't. I must not have noticed this, or maybe we talked about it and I forgot. He was eighty-five percent against Colorado State in the air. Well, I mean, and here's the thing: like BYU by by havoc rate, their defensive backs haven't really improved all that much by. Uh... You know, from the last time we talked about them, they're still only 128th nationally. They don't really get their hands on the ball that much in the defensive backfield. So if Boise State has like two guys going over 100 yards, whether it's, you know, Sean Modster or A.J. Richardson or John Hightower, that would not surprise me in the least. I wouldn't either. I just think they're they're just going to be kind of a thorn in the side because that's kind of what BYU's defense is. They're just good enough. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. going to be a pushover defense because that's not the case. But it's also not defense that's going to lock you down and force you and dictate what Boise State's going to do offensively. Especially if Boise can, if Madison keeps his uh, doing what he did last week going into this week. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think? I don't know. We've talked about BYU enough. We don't need to go too much more into this game. 
Uh, Boise's going to win. Oh, did we mention the line in this game? Uh, I don't think we did. Sort of. 13 and a half. Over under, surprisingly, only 55 points. Hmm. Hmm. Number five and team rankings both think BYU can get to the 20-point range. So does S&P Plus. They have it Boise State 35, BYU 22. How comfortable are you with that? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're asking me to make my prediction first, I say... Well, uh, I don't need prediction, but that seems a lot of points. Yeah, it does. Because, really quick, before we get your prediction, um, there was the just a couple... The prior, maybe, the, I don't know why it's that high, but here's the prior, couple prior games in Boise. Um, BYU lost 7-6. to six. Remember that game went for two at the end in Boise. It was a 55-30 victory for Boise at home. In 2014, then it was only 28-27 for Boise and Idaho. So they've all been close games except for the one, and then even going back to like 35-24, 37-20 in Provo. And if you want to go back really deep to 2004, it's 28-27 for Boise at Idaho as well. The good old classic Gary Curtin Dan Hawkins coaching matchup. I mean, I still don't really see that making. I don't. I don't see the the past history making much of a difference I, in this game. This is not a particularly good BYU team. I know. I'm just mentioning. I'm just going to put it out there, kind of what's happened at at Boise, where they've been a couple close games. So, do you want me to go first? Or I'll, do you want I'll, to? I'll go first. I will say, um, I don't think BYU is going to score many points. I'm going to go 28-10 for Boise State. Uh, I'm going to go Boise State 42, BYU Ooh, 13. Whoa! <laughs> 42, 13? They're going to they're gonna wipe the Cougars on the floor. I was going to go big, but I didn't, wanna, I didn't think I should. No, I'm, I'll do it for you. Oh, thank you. You already have your dumb pick this week as well, okay? I do. I'm going all over the place. We do have, um, hold on, Rosh sent in picks too, let me see, because he might be doing a Facebook Live out there for Tailgate, so hit him up over there. We might mention that later this week, or soon, I guess. Really quick, so... Oh, sorry, that's our other guy's prediction. Let me find out here because I'm going to... Here we go. So those guys' picks. Um, do, 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 do. Raj is uh, in between 31-13 for Boise State. All right. And then, oh, Eric, he's in line with you. 54-23 for Boise State. See, there you go. All right. So what did I say, 28-10? Yeah. yeah. I'll stick with that. Okay. All right, let's take a quick timeout, and we'll be back in a minute, folks. All right, up next, San Diego State at New Mexico in good old Albuquerque. ESPNU, 7.15 Pacific, 8.15 Mountain Time. Aztecs are a 10-point favorite, which I'm okay with that. I mean, I guess so. What's your hesitation? We both have reservations about that line. New Mexico's a mess right now, man. They also had a fight, didn't they, recently? Some guys... Mm. uh, Suspended? Yeah, so so their leading tackler, uh, Evahalo Tutohi, is suspended for this game because he put a teammate in the hospital. Yeah, beat up a teammate pretty bad. It's not it's not a great situation in New Mexico right now. It's uh. Ugh. And and oh by the way, they're also breaking in a new quarterback this week. Oh, they are. I missed that. Who is it? It is. They're going to Colton Gerhardt. Oh, hey, sort of new. Why is that? What's the reason behind that? Uh, I guess because he played well against Utah State's backups. <laughs> I mean, that's really the only other. That's really the only rationale there is. Um, you want to know? Okay, I don't want to get negative on New Mexico, but I'm going to. You want to know reason number XXXXXX that the Bob Davies should not be coach anymore? Uh, yeah, let's hear it. Um, 
New Mexico football coach said he learned Sunday night that two of his players were involved in the altercation. Um, but yeah, he waited over two days to suspend this player. Not great. No, it's like I get if you want to gather information, but if a guy's in the hospital, just say, "Dude, you're sitting out till we get look find more information about what's going on." Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. <sighs> okay, done with that. But uh, you're right. New Mexico is a mess. Colton Gerhardt, he's played a little bit. He played he played a decent amount last year, right? He played. I think he started one or two games. And you know, one what if you don't if you don't recall, I don't blame you. But basically, <laughs> you know, he I think he had like thirty something carries last year. And so, if you're looking for some upside for the Lobos, what you what you would note is that he averaged seven yards per carry once you adjust for sacks. And his opportunity rate, which if I haven't mentioned it recently, it's just the percentage of runs that get past the first level gain more than five yards. His percentage in that was 51.7, which is pretty good. But at the same time, that was also an instance when Tyrone Owens was still averaging over five and a half yards per carry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they want to go back to a more run-based offense, I think that's going to be asking a lot simply because the runners in this offense have not been the same as they have been in the past. So... You know, you're going up against a defense, by the way, that is still very good, still managed to shut down Toa Tala last week. And, you know, it just it strikes me as very odd timing. Like, I understand that Sharon Jones has struggled, but this does not seem to be a particularly good spot to be breaking in a new quarterback. Oh, and like you mentioned, the running game not playing well. They're kind of moving away from what they've done the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. They're not typically doing their diamond, their veer option, their th- jumbo set. They're doing that less and less because new OC McGee there. I guess sort of mm-hmm. now mid season, late mid season. But it's are they going to have him throw the ball as much as they do with uh, Jones? Because last year in the two games he had significant playing time, Boise State he was seven to thirteen for sixty seven TD to pick, in a close twenty eight fourteen game he ran eight for forty nine. The only mm-hmm. game he had extreme success was versus Tulsa, where he had 24 carries, 156. Yeah. Other two games, really quick, A&M, Texas A&M, and well, I mean, three carries, 13 yards. Uh, back to passing, 9 to 14 against Tulsa last year. So I guess he get there a little bit, or I guess throw enough to keep the offense what they want to do. Maybe gives him the extra oomph that he can run a little bit. So maybe that's what they're thinking. You know, he played well versus Just 8, playing their backups, but he's not playing. Like you said, break him in against the uh, – a top 20, top 25 nationally defense in San Diego State. It's a, it's it doesn't a seem move. very wise. It's risky. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I guess if you're going to try and throw the ball a little bit more, maybe it makes a little bit of sense. But then you're still talking about yeah, San Diego State defense. I'm trying to look up what they did in the last month or so. Like, you're still talking about. <laughs> okay. So I just said, I finally got the tab open. The Aztecs have allowed an opponent's passer rating of 96.5 in the last four games. They've only allowed two touchdowns, only five yards per attempt, and they have five interceptions. Okay. Why would New Mexico be making this move now? Because Bob Davies desperate to keep his job. Yeah, I guess so. I, I'll say it again. like He's not going to last this year, and it's mostly because of off-the-field stuff. But now they're – here's the thing. Like – you get rid of your OC. They, I don't even know who their DC is. Have they kept the same DC around? I don't. Kevin Cosgrove, yeah. Okay. But 
I'm wondering if he's – I know there's money issues, and that's another secondary – not secondary. It's a big deal because sports cuts there. And there's – if you follow, like, NM Fishbowl and Daniel Lippin, he mentions all this stuff. Like, did you see – not to go off track, but somebody within the um, – because they've been doing all the open record requests. Mm-hmm. There's somebody somewhere in the government. I don't know if they're part of the this investigation or what's going on with the UNM Athletics. But there's t- he's like he's tired of getting all these records requests. I forget exactly what's in New Mexico. It's like IPRSA or something. He's mm-hmm. like, let's put on Twitter with all these requests. I'm going to start deleting my emails and direct my staff to delete them once a week. Smooth. And like, did some reporter from I think KOB replies like, okay, how about um we send a request every day at noon or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so and that, it just does, does fold back to the athletics. So there's a bunch of shadiness going on, trying to find out what's right and what's wrong or what's spending and. Oh, the former AD wants to have a quote donation of like twenty thousand dollars back to school or something. It's like for that. Remember that Ireland, Ireland or Scotland uh, golf trip? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on. But as for the game, it's it's a mess. And he's, I think Bob Davies scrambling because you're right. If you're if you think two things, if you think Aztecs are great defense, why switch quarterbacks? Two, if you think you're gonna have success throwing the ball, keep your throwing quarterback in the game who's th- shown to throw the ball fairly well this year. Mm-hmm. Why switch? I don't know. But let's get to San Diego State. They are going to start Ryan Agnew again. However, Christian Chapman will play in the first half. And they also might get back to on Washington and their starting fullback who have been fully practicing this week, on Monday and Tuesday at least. Mm-hmm. So you might see those guys get mixed in and say, hey, Matt, that's a perfect game to get these guys in right You're playing New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, Christian Chapman isn't exactly the most mobile guy in the world. You know, his his sack rate, I think, right now is still right around 20%, which is just abysmal. But, you know, if you're looking for a favorable matchup for the Aztecs, it's the fact that basically they have zero pass rush. You know, Rashawn Epting still leads the team uh, by about three and a half sacks over anybody else. And he hasn't had a sack in three weeks. Hmm. So... You know, I, I really don't see any reason to think why either Chapman or Agnew or whoever ends up spending more time under center. You know, it's it's probably not going to be like last week's game where Agnew was scrambling seemingly every other play or taking way too long to throw the football on, on the other 50% of those plays. Yeah. I think they're going to be able to command, you know, both the ground game and through the air just because of the fact that New Mexico hasn't really offered much resistance to either one this year. So I assume the Aztecs are going to win and win quite a handle, even though they haven't been playing extremely well the past month. I kind of see it as more of like a, I don't know, is workmanlike too cliche? I'll allow it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because uh, – S&P Plus, for instance, has this game San Diego State 31, New Mexico 21. And that seems a little high. I agree. Like, number of fire has 30 to 15 in favor of the Aztecs. Like, like what's the over-under on this game? Uh, 47 and a half. Take the under. <laughs> take the under. If, 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 if it were me, I would take the under. This is probably going to be the most boring game of the night oh. because San Diego State's going to be able to just dominate on defense and sit on it on offense. Um, I guess that means I would take the Aztecs to, well, wait, is, what, what's the line again? Ten and a half? Ten and a half. <laughs> okay, I'm laying, okay, so then I'm laying the points with San Diego State. I'm going to go Aztecs 21, New Mexico 10. I'm kind of the same range. I don't think 
I think they'll be twenty to three. I think it might be a field goal. That's it. I don't, right. see, I don't see them getting into the end zone. So twenty to three is my pick. Uh, next game, let's go to uh, Fresno State at UNLV. Oof. Oof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not planned at all. We just like, oh boy. Did hey, you I notice? Told you, I told you, great minds think alike. Exactly. Five of the six games were double-digit lines this week. I failed to mention at the beginning. Five of the six. Hmm. This one is twenty-six points. That does not surprise me at all. CBS Sports Network, seven thirty Pacific. Uh, I was chatting with um, whatever ESPN Las Vegas is. They kept asking me. So is uh, as we discussed as well. Is Tony Stanch is going to keep his job? I brought up. Let me ask you this: If you think this is too far fetched for what UNLV should do, first off, Armani Rogers still out, and that's a huge deal apparently, more than anybody thought. But should UNLV? I brought this up. Should they instead of cycling coaches like? run through your contract your four to five years. I know Sanchez has signed through 2021. Shouldn't they just let him stick it out and let their coach go seven to eight years to figure it out possibly? Because why bring a new guy every four years when you're starting over all the time? I mean, I could definitely see that argument. And, you know, even if it hasn't quite shown up in the, in the win column, you can say that they've at least started to adjust to life without Rodgers in the last month. You know, it hasn't maybe always been pretty, but, you know, if, if you're just looking at uh, you know, passer rating, they're not that hopeless. Like, they have more touchdowns than anybody over the last month through the air, save for Utah State in the conference. You know, it's 12 touchdowns. The six interceptions isn't great. You know, the the... 6.4 yards per attempt in October is probably fine. So, I mean, you could say that they've made some moves. Like, they've, they've progressed in some ways that probably matter, even as they've regressed in some other ways. Like, the running game has still been mostly kind of meh without Rodgers. I'm just saying, you know, throw that all that out the window because Fresno State's coming to town. <laughs> like, I was just talking about a minute ago how, how San Diego State had the second best opponents passer rating in October Fresno State's number one you know they're the only team in the conference allowing less than 50 percent on completion rate you know they've only allowed three touchdowns they had six interceptions opponents pass rating of 90.29 in October hmm so <laughs> it's it's gonna get ugly yeah you want some good news for rebel fans Yes. Armani Rogers practiced this week without this not going to boot. That's good. But he's not going to play. So, <laughs> sorry. That's to, bad. To bring it back down. So, this matchup, like, UNLV's been, like, I, I, I don't want to bring it up. You lost to freaking San Jose State. Well, yeah, they did. Give 50 points. They've been, their defense has been non existent. 41. Like, they've been giving up an average of 50 points per game the past month. New Mexico, Utah State, Air Force, and San Jose State have averaged, uh, combined averages, exactly 50 points per game, 200 points. Mm -hmm. So we can't just say it's all Armani Rodgers because being gone. Because they, yeah, UTEP's not very good. They only allowed 24 versus UTEP. 27 gets a pretty good Arkansas State team. USC game got out of out of hand late, but they played pretty well for three quarters. Can I, can I go back to that? Can I go back to that passer rating well one more time? Go for it. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're not gonna believe this in October, all right. Just to put this in context, last month, last month, four games. Mm -hmm. uh, UNLV allowed a seventy percent completion rate. Oh geez, eleven point nine yards per attempt, fourteen touchdowns to one interception, 
an opponent's passer rating of 214.41. So I'm on CFB stats, Matt. Yes. I have to, I have to do about three finger scrolls to find that. You want to be passer rating? Oh, my gosh. They are the only team in the 200 range. They are they, they're last they in every ba- category, they right? Basi- they basically turned everybody into Tua Tagovailoa for the past month. 11.9 yards is the worst. It's worse than UConn, folks. It is. It is. It's, it, it's really bad. They are last in pass per that pa- 11.9 passes allowed. They're second to last. Only Indiana has more touchdowns against. And they're worse in passer rating. And I'm assuming yards per game, they're at the bottom as well. Um, not quite because they are only 117th. It's cool. really not good. So, what does this mean for Marcus McMarion and Keyshawn Johnson at all? playing what do they got see what's what's interesting is like most of the downfield element like they've they've shown an ability to throw down the field but you know are they going to be able to or is UNLV going to be able to stop the tight ends and running backs because that has what has made the Fresno State offense different from pretty much every other offense in the conference right now you know um, Jared Rice I think has 36 catches on the air is that correct um I don't have it in front of me it's 35 catches. 35 okay. catches, 441 yards, three touchdowns. But between him and you know the, the and the running backs, you know Jordan Mims, Deontay O'Neal, Ronnie Rivers, most recently, and Josh Hokett, they have basically 70 catches between them as as units. Hmm. Which I'm pretty sure, without looking it up, without doing a lot of research, is the most in the conference. They've just figured out a way to get those guys into space and to create plays down the field, even though the offense, you know, it came to life last week against Hawaii. But, you know, even if it's even if it goes back to being fine, I'm still kind of expecting these guys to just run wild in the open field because UNLV hasn't shown any ability to stop the pass this year. As your question, um, they are the top white running back tight end pass catching combination in the league. So, yeah. But I so okay. It's it's a sixteen half point over under twenty six point line as we mentioned already. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be because remember is there going to be revenge on the mind because Fresno lost this to this team last year at home? You you know there's going to be. Is this going to be like fifty to ten? It very well could be. Do you want it to be fifty to ten? Uh, if I'm, uh, I mean, I'm a fan that's rooting for my team to move up in the college football playoff rankings. Absolutely. I'm, not I'm looking, for, I'm looking, I'm looking for blood. Okay. That's what team rankings number fire says. I was kind of tossing a random number out there. 43 to 16 or 56 to 15 are the two, uh, lines at the, or the two projections. And like, and not to, not to make the predict now, but UNLV, is it going to be because Thomas has to have his breakout game and rush like him in? Charles Williams have like 230 combined rushing yards to give him any hope of to win this game. I mean, maybe, but that's not going to happen. No, it's not. I'm just saying. And then Williams, is he, he, he might throw pretty well, but he may put up yards possibly, but how many picks or turnovers he can have? Cause he's kind of prone to doing that as well. That's exactly it. And so I think that's where I think it's going to happen where he's going to pass a lot. He may put up yards. Like he may, like I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up 280, 300, just because either you're at, it's, the lead's getting away from them. It's, it is it is working because they're moving the ball, but there's going to be, as we mentioned versus the San Jose State game, their second best in basically pass defense, interception, pass breakups, number one, Fresno State. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess we they do need to keep. Who's the um? Is it Cooks? Who's the freshman for UNLV? Who's tearing it up? Uh, yeah. He's probably if they can get him going, maybe that could open up the running game. But I don't think it'll be consistently successful enough to mount enough drives to go toe to toe because this Rebel defense is not going to slow down Fresno State's offense. So what do you think? I'll score. I said 50 to 10. I'll do that. Why not? So S&P Plus, by the way, has this at... Uh, 100 to 4. Not quite. <laughs> uh, but they do have it at uh, Fresno State 43, UNLV 19. Hmm. I mean, I see this as the kind of final score that's a little bit deceptive just because they let up in the fourth quarter or something like that. But they're, they're going to whoop UNLV. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, I'm going to say Fresno State 56, UNLV 21. They're going to get 21 because that's probably two fourth quarter touchdowns. Yeah. All right. So we go. I thought I was being crazy. So. All right. So final game of the day. Night Owls. It's a um, Utah State at Hawaii. What is it, Hawaii time? 6 p.m.? Is that what they normally kick? I Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, it's four hours behind the mountain time. So seven, uh, excuse me, 10 mountain time, 9 Pacific, 6 Hawaii time. Okay. I mentioned in our preview show I saw a, a blurb about how this game was going to be shown TV locally in Utah. They jumped the gun. That's not the case. So Bummer. It was going to be on local 14K Jazz, but something happened and it didn't work out. I know the Nevada game in Hawaii got to be put on local TV there, but not in Utah, so... Get the stadium app. We'll have links to it for Android, iOS on our how to watch or preview type post. You can here's a workaround, Matt. It's it the quality kind of dips a tiny bit because you can't. It does. What's even more annoying is they don't allow like Chromecast or Roku or Apple TV support to beam mm-hmm. into your TV. So what I do is cast your phone screen so you put your phone on the TV and then open the app and watch that way. Interesting. So that's a workaround where it does ding quality a little bit but you can at least put on your tv instead of watching on your phone because i don't have anything else tablet support are you able to use a tablet a lot is it show up on your can you watch this game on your tablet uh yes i can okay maybe okay it's desktop for sure not supported there so somehow also or also you can do this i i don't have this but i looked into it get an hdmi um like USB-C adapter if you want to go Ooh, okay there you go there you go and just plug it straight into your tv so give that a try but the game itself I'm should we should we send a should we send a case of rock stars to the playoff committee by the way so that way they stay up to watch this game? We got to do something, man. You're, that's a, that's a good call. I got a Seven Eleven. I got the Seven Eleven app. I got to buy one, get one free Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Can I just kind of ma- and I have like enough to get massive free stuff because some promotion they had. I we'll also them. just send. We'll also send them constant reminders on Twitter. Like, hey, are you guys watching Utah State? We should. I we should schedule tweets because that is late even for us a little bit. Um. I should do scheduled tweets and at whomever is on the committee and say, hey, I should just do evergreen tweet. Utah State scored. Jordan Love touchdown pass. Hey, you watch. Yeah. And hopefully it works out until two in the morning. There you go. Um, I am surprised that this is not the biggest line of the weekend. So what is it right now? It's 19 in favor of the Aggies. However, over-under is an astonishing, or maybe not astonishing, a large 71 and a half. That is interesting. I would figure... Well, I get okay. Here's the reason it's probably not the biggest line because even though Hawaii struggled, they have more potential to score than say UNLV versus Fresno, which is the biggest line of the weekend. See, here's the thing, and I'm going to throw a couple numbers out there because I think that people are catching up to a new normal 
when it comes to the Hawaii offense. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to give you the numbers from, from August, August and September versus the numbers from October. So in the first six games of the year, Hawaii was completing 65% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, two interceptions. They were second in the conference in passer rating, 169.82. And in the last four games that they played in October, you know, that those numbers have dipped to a 57.1% completion rate, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, which is still fine, and a 130.53 passer rating, which is fine, but they've dropped from second to sixth in that regard. And yeah. and there's a similar kind of shift on on the running game too. Like in the in those, you know, in August and September, it was you know, four point seven basically which was fourth in the conference in the four games in October, they fell to 11th, 3.3 yards per carry. So I think they just haven't been the same on offense. So when you say that, you know, they have more potential to try and keep up, I really don't think that's the case, especially when you consider that Utah state's defense has been very good recently. It has. And also one step further because McDonald missed one game. He only had six touchdowns in, in the past three games. Mm-hmm. And he's down to 56% completion rate. So I think it's a combination of teams catching up to them and maybe they're just uh, not playing as well, playing better teams maybe. Yeah. But Utah State's defense looks it's really good. So this will be another game where they will struggle to move the ball in the air. And you know, that's, they'll score some points, but Hawaii, it's like they – I like – like you put it perfectly earlier and other people are saying as well, if nothing else, they're going to be excited this year. Mm-hmm. which they have been very exciting, good and bad. And also, it should be noted, they still need another win to be bowl eligible. They're still sitting 6-4, mm-hmm. riding a three-game losing streak where they haven't even really been close. And what I think is going to happen, so let me ask you this, Matt. Will Jordan Love play in the fourth quarter? No. Should he play in the fourth quarter? Maybe. Is this a game like I'm not, I know Matt Wells doesn't he doesn't care about rankings he's like I don't care about top twenty five when asked Monday um, they've been taking guys out at halftime maybe play a drive in the second half just to get the you know what I mean get the break come back in and see how you do after that halftime yeah just rest or whatever maybe adjustments for a couple things here and there would they seriously consider like running up the score to win this game like like they've been running running up the score to everybody because they're that good <laughs> but. Could they like put sixty points on Hawaii, or should and should they? I think they could, and I think that they should. Should they do what they did versus New Mexico State or Tennessee Tech? Yes, they've scored sixty plus points three times this year, and fifty nine in the fourth game. Because I think if I mean if we're trying to project the committee's mind, you know, you're still talking about a team that if you beat them, Hawaii is still going to be an above 500 team. Their first you know? of the year for Utah State as well. And, that, and those matters. Those matter in their projections. They they only do like – they only look at is it a winning record or not winning record. Mm-hmm. And this goes in that winning record column. Yeah. But, so, I mean, I, th- I think if you have the opportunity to put the pedals on the metal, you absolutely have to do it at this point. But should they? It's like, is that what you – Yes, should be they doing? should. At least in this game? In, I think they should be doing it in every game at this point because they're all – I mean, and this is something I've mentioned a couple times. They're already outdoing UCF, like as far as just margins of victory. Mm-hmm. You know, this is still a team that has a top 30 defense – or excuse me, a top 40 defense and a top 30 offense by S&P Plus. 
and it's mostly the same if you look at uh, FBI. It's just like they're they're working the schedule is working against them at this point, and so they just have to dismantle teams as much as they can. Yeah, because they they, have... they basically have to go back and do what. Um, I mean, what teams that get to the top of the of the group of five do year after year? Boise State in the whack when they were winning fifty to ten with Kellen Moore. Yeah, or even what you know, if you look back at past group of five bowl winners, you know, like Western Michigan did mostly the same thing until they ran into some superior competition late in the year. Um, you know, Marshall did that for a long stretch. They just, they need to be able to do this because that's the only way they're going to be able to make an argument to be included in the top 25, let alone rise in the top 25. Question for, okay, sorry. I'm, I just saw this pop up right now. It's a good point. Um, it's, it's back to the UNLV game. I just want to mention this really quick. So mm-hmm. Mark Anderson of the, what is he? He's at the uh, sun, right? Yes. Oh, Las Vegas reviews. No review journal. Er, yes. There's sorry. the two. So he's like Rogers was cleared yesterday, which is Wednesday, but he'll be the number two quarterback. Because coach, right. coaches are cautious. But our good buddy Tyler Bischoff's like, if he's cleared to play, why is he not starting? I guess we'll see. Hey, I get it. It's just a caution thing. But if he's healthy to play, he should play, right? If he's cleared, what's the problem? Yeah. But back to this game here. Um, the schedule thing, that's where we're going at. They have Hawaii, San Jose State, CSU. Not very good teams. All teams losing records. No, they need to be able to drop 50 on each of those teams. Mm-hmm. 60. Yeah, probably 60. Like, I get it. This game's weird. People scoreboard watch. Like, how weird, how awkward would it be if Utah State... I know the AP and coaches pull aren't... They don't factor in at all. But seriously, if they win that big and teams lose, and it's not... You shouldn't always move up because teams lose in front of you. But how embarrassing it would be if they... Let's just say Utah State wins sixty to seventeen. That's mm-hmm. a, a distinct possibility. They could be a top fifteen team in both major polls and maybe not be ranked next week in the playoff bowl. Yeah, and that's kind of stupid because you have Texas West Virginia play. They could there's a potential loss there. Um, Mississippi State plays somebody we mentioned. Like there's a couple teams where they could drop and again you don't move up just because you win or teams lose you move up and take their spot, but. That's not out of the possibility where they could be 15th. Like, what if Texas loses? What if um, Penn State loses? I mean, Florida. It's like there's a couple teams where that's a real possibility. But I think this one time Utah State should play their guys late in the game and just kind of maybe not throw the ball. Like, don't run up a score like to win 80-5 to or something or 80-10. to But run your offense as you typically would. And if you score points, you score points. Mm-hmm. And – if it's third and long, you're going to pass. If it's second and two, you run the ball. Play your offense. No, I mean, now's not the time for decorum. Let's put it that way. Do um, pull a – do you remember when Utah played Wyoming and I, I think it was Dave Christensen was head coach and Utah was up like 59 to nothing and they pulled an onside kick? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I'm just saying, I, hey, you said no decorum, so I want to bring up that something actually happened. Well, I just, I just mean like you, you get the ball, you, you go and you move it down the field. It's pretty much what I'm talking about. All right. So, is there any way Hawaii can win this game? Ah, I mean, they're going to have to win a shootout if they want to do it, which is in their favor a bit. You think so? Well, more often than not, they've been doing that, but not lately. I mean, this is still a Utah State pass defense that, you know, even without Shaq Bond, I think his status is 
as far as I know, it's up in the air. He's still listed atop the depth chart, so I guess we'll see if he's back this week or not. But you know, this is still a unit that, like on on defense, they're they're twenty third as far as defensive success rate. They're thirteenth as far as defensive explosiveness, and a lot of that has to do with exactly how good they've been defending the pass. So I think that you know their strengths on offense line up very well with Hawaii's strengths on, or, or, excuse me, Utah State's strengths on defense rather line up very well with Hawaii's strengths on offense. So, I mean, I can see it maybe going a little bit like last week's Fresno State game went, where Utah State was able to make some hay early, or excuse me, Hawaii was. But I don't see how they keep it up for four quarters. No, it's um, they've had too many close calls. Like the And also, the kids share as well, like they've been down in early games, like CSU, Navy, like their team were – they fall behind. Are they really going to fall behind and then surpass Utah State? It's mm-hmm. a it's a twenty one seven first quarter. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. So predictions really quick over at team rank. It's eighteen point line as we mentioned. Um, team rankings forty four and a half to twenty seven, forty three to twenty one for number fire. I think they're giving Hawaii too much credit. And S and P plus by the way has a Utah State forty one, Hawaii twenty four. Really? Mm-hmm. Utah State's defense hasn't been giving up too many points, have they? A little bit. Uh, not really. I mean, they gave up 19 to New Mexico, 16 to Wyoming, 28 to UNLV. But, of course, those numbers are skewed by garbage time. Yeah, garbage time numbers. But I'm, I'm going to say, like, what I would like to see happen is there's like 60 to 14, 60 to maybe 21. But realistically, it's probably going to be – they'll score 50 again. It'll be like 52-17. Uh, I'm going to go Utah State 63. Oh. Hawaii 20. 20? 20, 63 to 20? Yeah. That's bold. Yeah, well, this week is a week for being bold. Go for it, right? If you're, if you're, if you're trying to get into the conversation, you got to do what it takes. This is a top 20 team you have to watch on an app this week. They need, yes. They need to make a point. But rest assured, we will make sure the playoff committee knows every time they score. I Let's look up and just kind of, hey, give them a little nudge on Twitter. Say, hey, you watching? You up? Yeah. Here's the, hey, you missed the game. Here's the 20-minute condensed highlight game. Watch this at least. There, there you go. That's how you do it. At least do that. So they're watching games, but we'll see what happens. Anything else we need to uh, mention in this uh, particular episode? I think we're all set. So – games all start Saturday, Thursday night. I, I will get this up before that UCF uh, Temple game, so kind of keep an eye on that. We'll be back next week to go through all the games. Uh, obviously on Sunday, we will next week clearly do our playoff rant again because Utah State better be ranked if they win, but check us out, mwr.com, because apparently everybody and their best friend is looking at the website, so thank you for that. Tell a friend about this episode um, or the podcast. Go to iTunes, Stitchers, tune in. Matt, should I officially say Apple Podcasts? That's what they're called now. Or should I just stick with the iTunes since it's always going to be iTunes? Yeah, good enough. Just download the podcast, right? That's all we're saying. Give us a download and tell us how you feel about it. Cool. And we'll be back next week, folks. Uh, Or excuse me, Sunday night.